0: The word of the Lord says this. Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace be to you. Do not fear, you shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it The Lord is Peace. To this day it still stands at Ophrah which belongs to the Abiezrites. May we be blessed by reading God's word this morning. You may receive it. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Really, that's all we get for Merry Christmas? Wow. Try that again. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Uh, thank you so much. I mean, I hope we have something to celebrate this uh, 2020. At least we do have a, a Christmas coming our way. Uh, just as a way of announcements this morning, uh, we have a few announcements. So put on your listening ears. Uh, they're important announcements. Uh, this Wednesday at six o'clock, we will have a business meeting. That business meeting is to set our 2021 budget. So uh, we'll hand out the budget. We'll review all the financials of the church heading into 2021, and then we'll take a vote on that. So please mark your calendar. Uh, you have to be here in person to uh, have a vote on that. So uh, please come Wednesday night ready to vote on our 2021 uh, budget. Also next Sunday is our Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Uh, Lottie Moon, uh, she was a missionary uh, with uh, before there was the IMB. The IMB is the Southern Baptist mission organization, the sending organization of our denomination. Uh, Lottie Moon was one of the most um, decorated women that we have in our mission uh, history. And so there is an offering dedicated to her. uh, And this is the, the sweetest part of this offering. Every single penny that comes into the Lottie Moon Christmas offering goes directly back out to our missionaries all over the world. There's not a penny that goes uh, to anything else but to those, the, those missionaries. Uh, this is the, one of the primary ways that, um, that our missionaries get to serve uh, overseas and here in the States. Um, if you don't know this about the IMB, the IMB, uh, to my knowledge, is the only sending organization that the missionaries don't have to raise their own support. Um, it's because of faithful givers like you. Uh, if you know anything about missionaries, Uh, It's a tireless thing they have to do is to come home and raise support, raise support, raise support, and then go back home. And then there's this burden, is there money going to come? But because of us as Southern Baptists and our dedication to taking the gospel to the four corners of the world, uh, we support our missionaries fully. And so uh, please begin to pray, think through uh, what God will have you give next Sunday. Our goal as a church is to give $800 um, to the Lottie Moon Christmas Offering. That's right. So as you know, um, Jeff and Rachel, they are friends of Rob. Friends, they become friends of ours. Uh, they are, are the, the family that we sent money to build uh, the boys' dormitory um, in, uh, in Asia. Uh, we can't say the name of the place uh, just as to protect them. But it's one of the most hostile places in the world to take the gospel, and that's where they serve. And they're, they're, the way they are supported is through this Lottie Moon Christmas offering. So again, our goal is $800. Uh, after that, the 20th, uh, the next week is our Christ for Christmas offering. Christ for Christmas offering for us is our benevolence fund. That's where we uh, take in money uh, to help support our local community. So when people call the church that are in need, uh, that's the money that we put back out. And so again, it's our way to give back to the Lord what he's generously given to us. Um, again, not that uh, Christ needs our gifts, but he does call us to be obedient in giving what he's uh, called us to give. So please mark that on your calendar. Uh, Lottie Moon next week on the 20th is our Christ for Christmas. And our last announcement, uh, does this place not look beautiful with all the color? I, when I walked in this morning, I was like, man, it's just so beautiful in here. Um, that's by uh, a few ladies, their hard work, their creativity, uh, and their desire to to worship the Lord and have us uh, worship the Lord as well. As you see, these poinsettias, they are still on sale. they are um, per $6.60 I believe there's still left that have not been um, purchased yet that are in the building, correct, Miss Petty? So there's still some available, and if we run out of those, we'll go buy more. Uh, make those checks out to the church, give them to Jonathan, or put them in your offering basket um, in, in the back as you leave this morning. I think that's all of my announcements. Um, did I cover them well, Tracy? Okay, great. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll jump into uh, Judges chapter 6. God, you have been so kind to us, and you are so good to us. And we come this morning with expectant hearts. We ask you through you, Holy Spirit, to work in us. We plead with you that none of us would come and leave the same. That because of the the word that is going to be proclaimed and already has been proclaimed through song and through fellowship, that that would Uh, Be the agent that changes us to become more like you. As you say in your word, to be holy for uh, you are holy. The only way for us to be holy is by the renewal of your word in our lives. And so we pray that would be true for us this morning. I pray as we look at this uh, promise you've given to us, this promise of peace, that in these uncertain times that we would leave with the assurance that we have peace this morning. Our peace can only come from you. And nothing that this world has to offer will ever bring us peace, but you and you alone will bring us peace. So open our minds, open our ears, open our hearts to receive from you what you would have from your holy, inerrant, inspired, infallible word this morning. We pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. We are in Judges chapter 6. You may be wondering, how how are we going to get to Christmas in Judges? We'll get there. Remember, we're in the season of Advent. Advent, uh, we've um, defined as this. And Advent is the coming of, it comes from the word Adventus. It means the meaning to arrive or the coming of something. Advent is the time that we wait patiently, hopefully, with expectation, with soul searching and calendar watching as we wait for the arrival of our coming Lord Jesus. And so we have the advent of Christ at Christmas, but our hearts are, are continually to waiting for the ultimate advent, His return. And so we are here this morning in this Advent season uh, anticipating Christ's return, but we come to celebrate His first arrival as a baby. Remember this series we've labeled the Incarnation. Where we'll look at the Incarnation of hope, peace, uh, joy, and ultimately love. This morning we'll look at the Incarnation of Peace. How Christ Jesus came to be the Incarnation of Peace. This is what Dr. Sproul says and labels and defines the Incarnation as. Remember, it's God the Son, the second person of the Holy Trinity, took on His human nature without subtracting from Himself any of His divine attributes. So the Incarnation, we see that Jesus, when He became fully man. He took on all of our attributes except for the sin nature. But in taking on his, our likeness, he continued to have the likeness of God. So the incarnation is this meeting of the the holy and, and what we would say the worldly into one person that we had to have fully God and fully man to redeem us from our sins. We couldn't just have a, a God that waited out there because that was not his promise. His promise was that God would come and what be Emmanuel, God with us and d- God dwell with us and show us as an example how we are to live. But in doing so, he couldn't give up his godness, if you will. He had to retain his godness. So he was the only person that was fully God and fully man. He was truly man and truly God at the same time time. He is the incarnation. He's what gives us this morning peace. And so this morning I want to look at how Christ has come to give us peace. And we'll look at Judges. Uh, I want to give a recap because we're not studying the book of Judges. We kind of jump into the middle of uh, the, the beginning of this book of Judges. Uh, judges is a book given to us by God because the people of God had been given to rebel against God. This is before the, the people of God demanded there be a king. R- remember uh, Samuel and uh, Samuel, the people of God wanted a king. This was before they ever had a king. So what God would do, because of their wandering hearts, like ours, God would send judges. So they would wander away from the Lord, God would send a judge to bring them back to the Lord. And so that's the book of Judges. It's judge after judge after judge of God's people rebelling against him God sending a judge to convict them of their sin, and they would repent and come back to God. So that's where we have uh, this place in judges. We've already seen several times, if you have a chance to study judges, there's already been several judges that have come and brought that condemnation. But again, the pattern of the Israelites, the pattern of our own hearts, is to what? Rebel against God, and then repent, and serve Him for a while, then Rebel against God. We're we're all prone to that place. We're going to see this morning, again, what that looks like. And so there's this call on this man named Gideon. Uh, Gideon is going to be sent by God to bring a, a, a rebuke to the people of God so that God's people would bring and come to a place of repentance. But I wonder for us, this morning, how we can identify as the Israelites. See, when we come to the text, oftentimes we want to look at the hero of the story. We're never the hero of the story. We're always who the hero came to rescue. We are like the Israelites. We rebel against God and God in his kindness, his goodness to us, sends his Holy Spirit. Sometimes he sends the person. Sometimes he sends the church to bring us back into repentance. But here we are in this story. There's this chaos that is happening in the world. There is no peace because of their sin. There's no peace. And I wonder for us this morning, how we long for peace. If I were to poll you, do we not long for peace? Has this not been a year 2020 that we think, man, Who cannot wait for 2020 to get over with? The the problem is on December 31st, when the clock strikes midnight, we're going to be in the same place we were. Let's not fool ourselves to think, hey, we're going to wake up on January 1st and all this is going to be brought back to the way it used to be. No, we're still going to be in chaos. COVID has brought to us this place of chaos. And do we not long for peace? I've talked to so many people that just wish there was peace and rest and certainty. And now we're heading into, and we're still in this place of distress and a lack of peace. On January the 16th, we will change the guard, if you will. And there has to be all kinds of unrest in us. Whether, whoever you voted for. Our country is in such disarray. There is no peace. And so I want to ask you this morning to think about this. Where will our peace come from? You see, here's what the world's definition of peace is, but God gives a different definition. I'll get to that later on in the passage. This is what Webster's Dictionary says peace is, a state of tranquility and quiet. You see, if that's all we long for is tranquility and quietness, we will never have the peace that has truly been given to us. And my great fear for us as the church is, we would rather tranquility and quietness than we would the peace of God that's given to us through Christ Jesus in His incarnation. So now let's jump into chapter six. I'll read a little, story tell a little. I don't have points this morning, just because of the way. Uh, the The text is laid out for us i'll I'll give a general recap of what's going on here. It says this in judges chapter six verse one, the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So here we have again the people had rebelled against God, they had been disobedient to God. There had been this long period of uh, obedience, and now there's this moment again of disobedience, and it says because of their disobedience, God had given them into the hand of the Midianites, for seven long years, there's this oppression. And so we see that there's this oppression by uh, this wicked people to the people of God. And so much so, this is what, if you look at the Midianites, who they were, they, they were called the locusts of the land. If you know anything about locusts, locusts come into a place, they destroy the crops and they leave. And then they come back when the crops are regrown. And over and over, for seven years, the Midianites are destroying the, the, the land through pillaging what would keep them alive, their food. It wasn't that they wanted their land. It was they didn't want to have to do the work to produce the food that they needed to require to live. And so they found a weak people, the Israelites people, who were doing the things to have a great crop. And they would come in and pillage the land every. Harvest time for seven long years. Could you imagine being a farmer in that time? To know that there is a time that all this growth that's happening, we're going to reap the harvest. And when the harvest comes, our enemy's going to come and take the land. The, The anxiety that every farmer must have lived under in that time. And so there's this anxious moment. And for seven long years, they don't turn to the Lord. I could relate to that. I think we could relate to that. Thinking we can do it on our own. That we we have enough of our own strength. Like, hey, maybe this is the year it won't happen. But for seven years, these people come and pillage the land. They destroy the land. They leave nothing behind. And finally, it says this. They would come and destroy the land. They were brought so low. They were so humbled by this. They were in such disarray, it says in verse 6 that finally the people of the Lord cried out to God for help. How often is that not true in our own lives? They could have called out year one, year two, three, four, five, six, but in year seven they finally cry out. How often do we wait to the very bitter end to cry out for help? Let's not judge the Israelites. We are just like them. We wait and think we can do it on our own, we must begin to cry out to God before it gets to a dire situation. So the land is destroyed, they cry out to God. And then God, hearing their cry, it says this. He heard their cry in verse 7. And when the people of the Lord cried out to the Lord on the account of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet to the people remember who God had been sending every time they had cried out, a judge. Now God, in his goodness and his kindness, sends a prophet. You know, prophets and judges are different. A, A judge lays out what the law is going to do. This is the law, and this is how we keep the law. And so a judge would come and say, hey, this is what God has said, and this is how we're to live in what God has said. But a prophet is much different. A prophet is a message from God. God sends a prophet with a message to the people of God so the people of God will respond. So why does God send a prophet rather than a judge? I believe it's to bring back the people of God to a place of reminding, of remembrance of all that he has done for them because he says it in the passage. He sends the prophet, and the prophet is to say this. Verse 8. The Lord sent a prophet to the people of Israel, and he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I led you up out of Egypt and brought you out of, the, out of the house of slavery, and I delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. And I said to you, I am your God, and you shall fear, not fear the gods of the Amorites and those whose land you dwell in. But catch what the rest of the text says. So the prophet is to come with a message of all that God's done for them. As a reminder of God's faithful to them, faithfulness to them, as a reminder of God's goodness to them, as a reminder of God's kindness and God's power and God's deliverance to them. But then look what it says at the end. But you have not obeyed my voice. You want to know the reason you're in the trouble you're in? You want to know why you have no peace? It's because you live in disobedience, is what God is saying through the prophet. And so then he has the message. But he has no messenger with the message. Now we find the messenger, Gideon. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terabith, which belongs to Josiah. That's his dad. That's Gideon's dad. While his son Gideon was beating out wheat in the wine press to hide from the Midianites, so here we have Gideon. God shows up to a farmer. You'll see later on in the text that Gideon says, "I, I am no prophet. I, I am no messenger of God. I'm simply just a farmer." And so, where do we find Gideon? We find Gideon in the wine press a very interesting place to be found if you're beating out wheat. A wine press is where you would take the grapes. It would be in, indoors, and you would take those grapes, you'd put them in this mill, and you would squash the grapes to get the juice, to, the juice would then ferment into wine. And so here Gideon is inside any wine press beating out the, the wheat rather than where, you know where most people would beat out the wheat? It would be up on top of a mountain. Because what you would want to do with wheat is to beat out the chaff from the wheat. And so the way to do that was to beat out the wheat, then you would toss the wheat in the air, and the wind would come and brush out the chaff. You had to be outdoors to do this. But we find Gideon in hiding. He's terrified. And who's he terrified of? He's terrified of the Midianites because he knew how wicked they were, so he was in hiding. And so yet God comes and shows up to him and and says to him, the angel of the Lord, verse 12 says this, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. An interesting thing to say to a man that's terrified. When you think man of valor, you don't think of a man hiding. You think of a warrior, you think of a, a courageous man, you think of a man that's ready to go into battle and yet. God says to him, hey, Gideon, you are a man of valor. We'll get to the reason he's a man of valor in a moment. And he says to you, hey, Gideon, I've got a message for you. And so the Lord said, I am with you. Gideon said to him, so here's the message from the Lord. I'm with you. I have a message for you. I have a purpose for you. And then Gideon's response to the messenger with the message in verse thirteen. Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all your wonderful deeds that our fathers recount to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of the Midianites. So here's we see this man of valor been given a message by God. And then he says what to the Lord? He's in terror. Now he says in essence, I've heard all the stories of the Lord, but I have no experience of that. I've heard of all that our forefathers have said about his wonderful deeds, but if he is so wonderful, where is he? I wonder for us church this morning if it would be true about us We've heard the wonderful things of the Lord, but we've had no experience of that for ourselves. And I wonder if it's because we're in constant rebellion against Him that we hear the stories, but we have no experience. You see, stories in themselves are great, but stories without personal experience do not lead to action. And so here Gideon is just being really honest with God. If there is a God, then where is he? Because this God I've heard about that's done all this rescuing, it's been seven long years and we're still in chaos. Where is this God? And I wonder for you and for me, church, this morning, if we were really to rip our hearts open, would we say the same thing? Where has God been in 2020? Where is he? We've Heard all the good things that God has done. But 2020 has not been a good year. Where is God? Maybe what God has been doing in 2020 is bringing us to a place of true repentance. Maybe God has sent these locusts, the locusts of COVID to us, to bring us to our knees in a place of utter dependence on the Lord to say to God, I have heard all the good things about you, but I have not had that experience. And God is saying, turn to me, turn to me. Where is God? God is going to reveal Himself in this moment. Gideon's response is, yeah, right. There is no God that I've seen. And so he's, pleading to the Lord and then in verse 16 the Lord responds back to this man's plea his doubt if you will his despondency and he says the Lord said to him but I will be with you but I will be with you what he's saying in that moment is I am Emmanuel God is with us God has always been with us, church. God has not left us or forsaken us in 2020. God is still with us. But I will be with you, and you will strike the Midianites as one person. And he says this, because I am with you, you are a man of valor. In and of yourselves, Gideon, you're not a man of valor, but because my presence is with you and I am with you, you are a man of valor. And because you're a man of valor and my power is going to be in you, then you will strike the nights with one blow as one person. And he said to him, this is Gideon's response to that, if now I have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that you who speak with me, please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, the angel of the Lord said, I'll stay with you. So even in that moment, God is saying through the messenger, the angel to Gideon, I'll be with you. And Gideon still is doubtful. And Gideon still says, I need a sign. I need to make sure what you said will come true. How many of us are there this morning? Okay, God. I've heard all that you've done. Now I've heard from you. But I need a promise from you that what you say what actually happen? I don't think that's sinful. I think that is a person crying out in desperation to God. And God answers Gideon's prayer. God answers Gideon's desire for a sign. Gideon turns around from where he's at. Gideon goes into his house, prepares a young goat and unleavened uh, bread or cakes. He puts the meat into a basket and broth into a pot and brought them out under the tree and presented it to the angel of the Lord. So here's this moment. Gideon says, I need a promise. He says, stay with me until I get that promise. He goes into his house, makes this extravagant meal. That meal took a long time. I wonder as he's preparing the meal what his expectations were. God, show me a sign. God, show me a sign. I think when we read the text so often, we read the text and we think immediately it happens. No, there's time that has transpired that he asked for a sign and God then delivers the sign. Maybe that's where you're at this morning. You've asked for a sign and now you're waiting for God to reveal that sign to you. My plea to you would be wait patiently with the remembrance. Why? In verse 16, because God is with you. Wait patiently for him. He's always true to his promises as we've seen throughout our study in Genesis. So he brings this meal out. He presents it to the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord says to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on the rock and pour the broth over them. And so he did. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his spear, his staff that was in his hand. And touched the meat and un, and the unleavened cakes, and a fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. I, I don't know about you, but if I'm getting I'd be like, man, I've just slaved all day over that stuff. What are you doing? But he'd ask for a sign. I wonder how often we ask for a sign from the Lord. He gives us a sign that we don't recognize because it's not the way we would expect it to happen. But in that moment, something happened in the heart of Gideon. The fire torches all the food. I bet there was nothing left of it. And then the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. You wanted a promise. The promise is, I'll take all your food and now I'm out of here. But something happens in his heart. Verse 22, Then Gideon perceived that he was the angel of the Lord. How long the angel of the Lord had been with him? Hours. And now in this moment, through God's revelation to who he was, Gideon wakes up to that moment. And this is what he says. After perceiving what God had done and God was with him. Verse 22. Alas, O Lord, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. Now you have to know what the word alas means in the text. The word alas is not like finally. The the word alas has this idea of utter, utter desperation. Of utter, utter utter conviction. It's what Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, turn with me there. This is the prophet Isaiah. And this is what the text says, Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1. It says, in the year that the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord the same way that Gideon had seen the Lord face to face, sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple above him stood the seraphim each had six wings and two he covered his face and with two he covered his feet and with two he flew and one called to the other saying holy 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 is the lord of hosts the whole earth is full of his glory and the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who who called and the house was filled with smoke and he said Woe is me, or alas, is me, for I am lost from a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the Lord You see, when we come into the presence of God, and God's presence is revealed to us, we all will say, alas. We all will say to ourselves, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips. When we see the holiness of God, it will reflect and show us just how sinful and doubting we are. And then, in that moment, in his utter desperation, in his utter uh, place of longing, in his utter place of despondency and despair, God speaks to him and he says this, What the Lord said to him, so here Gideon is at the very end of himself. I would imagine crumpled up on the ground after seeing the holiness of God, wondering what's next for him, wondering, is he going to die? Because when unholy people enter in the holy of holies, they die. We get consumed by God's holiness. So I wonder, in the heart of Gideon, that moment is, all oh, it, it's about to be over. My life is about to be over. And yet, what does the Lord say? Not the angel of the Lord. It doesn't say the angel of the Lord said this. The angel of the Lord had just vanished. And it says this, the Lord said to Gideon, peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. You see, this morning, Gideon received the peace of God because God was what? With him. Emmanuel. Now you hit fast forward and you get all the way to Matthew. And what does God say to the angels? Fear not, for what I am with you. I sent a child, Emmanuel, to be with you. You see, it's only through God's peace, that we can stand in the presence of God. You see, remember what I said at the beginning of the service. The world says this is what peace is. It's a place of tranquility and quiet. But that's not what the peace of God is at all. The peace of God comes from this word in the text. The word peace in this text is the word shalom. Shalom does not mean tranquility. Shalom does not mean quiet. The word shalom means this, completeness. And so what God is speaking to Gideon, what God is speaking to us through Emmanuel, there is completeness with Christ Jesus. Another way to put it is this, there is restoration with Christ Jesus. You see, we can fear not because God is with us through Christ Jesus. We are complete and we are restored. You see, it's because of Christ being our peace that we can enter into the Holy of Holies. It's because of Christ being what He says He is. He's the Prince of Peace that now dwells with us, and because of God's dwelling through His Son in us, we have peace, but not peace within ourselves. We have peace with God. And because we have peace with God, then we can go into a world, and that will give us peace, because we know God is still with us. Though all the world is falling to hell in a handbasket, we have peace with God, therefore we know we can enter into this crazy world, because God is what with us, and that brings us peace in spite of our circumstances. And so maybe for you this morning, you are like Gideon, you are like the Israelites. It's been seven long years of drought, seven long. Years of the locusts ravaging your life, and you simply want peace. The promise to us at this Advent season, as we lit the candle of peace, is that we can have peace because God sent the greatest gift to us the gift of peace through His Son, Jesus Christ. I want to ask you this morning are you celebrating? That peace. You see, when we do these candles, these candles are a reminder of what Christ and his incarnation do for us. It gives us hope. And this morning it gives us peace. With God, knowing that God brings us peace and we're with God and God is with us, we can enter into this world. We have peace at all times and everywhere. My question to you, though, this morning is, are you experiencing that peace? It's a promise from God. It's a gift from God, freely given to us. You can have peace this morning. Again, it's not tranquility. It's not going to be quietness. It will be shalom, a restoration, a completeness from God. But have you received that great gift of peace today? That is why Christ came, to be the incarnation of peace from God to us, that our hearts would always be at peace, being reminded that He is with you and me this morning. Do you have the peace of Christ, and does it dwell in your hearts this morning? You read the last verse. It says, But the Lord said to him, Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. What was Gideon's response? He built an altar to the Lord and worshipped Him. You see, when you and I have peace with God, and we have a complete understanding of that peace, we will worship God. So if you're here this morning and you do not worship God, you do not have peace with God, I would implore you, receive the gift of Christ Jesus, gift of peace, and then go and worship God build an altar as a reminder of the peace that He offers to you and to me through Christ. Let me pray. God, You are so good to us to send Your Son to us. And this year, 2020, has been a crazy year, full of distress, full of tribulation, full of chaos, a lack of peace. Many moments of fear and dread and wondering what will happen next. And God, there's no promise that we have that 2021 will be any different. In so many ways, God, it probably won't be. Your Word tells us that. There will be terrible times in the last days. And so God, if we have any expectation that 2021 will be any different than 2020, we're fooling ourselves. The circumstances may be different, but the chaos will remain the same. And so God, allow us not to look to our circumstances to bring us peace, but allow us to look to You and to You alone. You are the Prince of Peace, Christ Jesus. And God, You gave us that peace. And the Incarnation, that came and dwelt and continues to dwell within us. I pray that we have received that gift, the gift of peace. If there's anyone here this morning that does not have that peace, that does not have that gift of Christ Jesus, I pray that this would be the morning, God, that you would enlighten their eyes, enlighten their ears, and open their hearts to receive the greatest gift, Christ Jesus, the Savior of the world, the one that brings shalom salvation to us. You are kind to us, you are good to us, you are faithful to us. May we be the same in return. I pray this in the mighty name of Christ Jesus. Amen. If you would rise this morning for the benediction. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you. Merry Christmas. Grace and peace be with you this morning. Amen.